0: Let's make this one snappy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I don't know how long we have until I fully devolve. <laughs> Fair enough. Actually, you know, here's something interesting. I thought about this the other day. How has we we've been talking about how movies have developed over time and over different series, but how has our experience of watching movies developed over time? You know, like how have we developed in this year plus of us watching movies and trying to think about them critically? Mm -hmm. What would you think?
1: I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking that Flopper, I just think so much less about Flopper Bop than I did before. Yeah. And I am just so much more comfortable saying like (laughs) basically whether a movie works or not than I was before about like. I used to get really caught up in, like, zones and where it falls. And, like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Like, now it's just, like, really simple. Like, And I also feel like it casts less of a shadow on the conversation than it used to.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. What were you thinking about in regards to it?
0: Well, I was thinking that that honestly, I have neither progressed nor regressed, but rather just like my ideas and my placement on the scale of critical thought towards absolute just like nonsense, emotion first, whatever. I've just bounced around, frankly. I'm completely Mm. inconsistent. And I don't think I've gotten better at watching movies or thinking about movies. (laughs) I have just watched way more movies than anyone ever should. (laughs) Like so many of them have been bad that it's kind of like it's kind of like um, my standard is really low now. So it's like honestly surprising when I don't like a movie these days. (laughs)
1: I feel like you're much less likely to give a flop to a movie, yeah, than I am <laughs> these days, at least. Yeah,
0: the bar is extremely low,
1: low right now. I definitely know those periods. I go through periods of where I feel like I'm watching too many movies. I mm-hmm. also go through periods where I watch a lot of movies and feel good about it. But yeah. like, especially here at the end of the year, I'm kind of doing the like manic watch every. Uh, like Oscar buzz acclaimed movie that I haven't seen Yeah, to try and like consider for my end of the year list. I
0: haven't even caught up on Oscar winners from last year. It's
1: just those feelings, you know, like when you finish watching a movie and you think like I should watch less movies <laughs> or you think like I should do something else with my life. But then a lot of times you see when, when you see something really great, it's like such an exciting feeling Okay, here's here's an actual thought about this. I've been more aware this last year of the initial viewing of a movie not necessarily being an indication of whether something is going to stick with me or not. Mm. Like, right after I watch a movie, I don't really know. Like, there have been some movies I loved watching, that I just don't think about it all ever again. And some movies that I'm iffy on in the moment where, like, actually my appreciation grows so much in time. Hmm. And maybe on a second viewing, I like them more. So something I've tried to do with the podcast is like when when we did X-Men, we used to watch them literally minutes before recording. Yeah. And I have on Warren's advice, starting with Denny, tried to watch all of these like a couple days before we have to talk about them to just like sit with them
0: for a minute. Hmm.
1: But you do lose something. You do lose like immediate reactions and maybe some fine details.
0: But well, should we get into our ranking for McCullough and Smith?
1: Well, Let's do it. What's your ranking, Emmett?
0: Okay. I'm going to go Legally Blonde, number one. She's the Man, number two. Ten Things I Hate About You, a close number three. Wow. I think that Legally Blonde is like the perfect one. I think that She's the Man is trying for more, but some of the issues that we talked about and like some of the stuff that doesn't age as well with the gender stuff at the end... Uh, Like kind of sinks it a little bit for me. I think that 10 things I hate about you is still like holds up pretty wonderfully Mm -hmm. that so it, and she's the man are just like right there, two and three together. Then like a little ways down for me, you've got Ellen Shannon, which I think is fun, but so much lighter and so much more nonsensical than those other three that it like, it doesn't, hold it just was like doesn't hold as much weight for me hmm. and then well below that would be house bunny and then like so far below the house bunny that it's not in the same zip code <laughs> uh i would put the ugly truth
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow interesting yeah i i didn't know you loved legally blonde so much i thought 10 things was going to be your number one
0: yeah i think legally blonde Just is so, it's like so sweet. It's so much fun. Yeah, there's just something wonderful about the whole thing that I really Mm -hmm. like.
1: How about you? Okay, I'm ready with my list, but I'm not ready to get dragged on the internet for it. So sorry. (laughs) Sorry about this. Um, I would go number six, The Ugly Truth. Uh huh. Far above that, number five, The House Bunny. Uh huh. Far above that. Uh, number four, Legally Blonde. Oh, wow. Number three, Ella Enchanted. Number two, She's the Man. A little bit above that, number one, Ten Things I Hate About You. Mm. Those top four, both of our top four, mm-hmm. are also good. And I know I'll hold like, a special place in a lot of people's hearts. So I would not be surprised by like anyone's ranking of those four. Yeah. And I think they're all pretty close in quality. But I do think 10 Things, in my opinion, is like their masterpiece. Hmm. I just think it's the one where it has the best leading performances. It has the best supporting performances. It has the best jokes. It is simpler than She's the Man. I agree that She's the Man is like reaching for a lot more. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot I love about that movie. That was my number two. And uh, both of our number two, actually. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it quite makes it to the heights of Ten Things.
0: Ten Things does have a magical leading couple.
1: That's mainly what I like about, it. like their chemistry is just so good, and that would be good in any movie, right? Like any movie with that magnetic mm-hmm. chemistry at the at the top would be amazing. But then, like you think about, okay, well, what else is in the movie? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, <laughs> um, the kid from <laughs> the Santa Claus, <laughs> uh-huh. being hilarious, Michael Crumholtz. Uh-huh. Or uh, David Krumholtz. I forget what his name is. The
0: guy who's through par- the house that they put through the party at. Oh, somebody yeah. Lowenstein.
1: That must be Nigel with the brief.
0: <laughs> yeah, him.
1: Alice and Janie <laughs> writing smutty fan fiction at school. Yeah, <laughs> the soundtrack. I don't know. I just love. I love it. And I I don't really have nostalgia for any of these movies. So that's how they all struck me rewatching them for this. I like. Legally Blonde, but I think I was really thrown by the end of it and less impressed with the directing and the supporting cast than some of the other movies. Mm -hmm. I actually think She's the Man is the only one that's well directed Mm. of any of them. Like, I think the effects of Ella Enchanted are really amazing and wonderful. and Mm -hmm. should be talked about more. There are some cool shots in 10 Things I Hate About You. But like in terms of like a movie that feels exciting and like the director is actually actively doing something, I think she's the man is the only of House Bunny has a directorial style, but that style is <laughs> fit the camera as close on every character's butt as possible.
0: <laughs> so it was it was just Adam Sandler, the producer wearing a GoPro around set. <laughs>
1: Wait, can I actually say I realized I didn't talk about my favorite joke from the House Bunny on the episode, Uh which is at her birthday party Uh uh, is silently never spoken about. We're just seeing all of her fun birthday party and she goes to blow out uh, out the candles on this tall cake and Shaq comes in behind her and just lifts her up with a ballet lift and she blows off the candles. (laughs) and he doesn't have a line of dialogue. They never
0: say it's Shaq. No one is like, Shaq's at this party. (laughs) He's just there. That's funny. Like, if we're tracking the progression, if we're tracking, like, where they started, where they went, what is the story of McCullough and Smith?
1: I mean, it sucks, because in my opinion, (laughs) they
0: start with their best movie and end
1: with their worst movie. Yeah,
0: which is never
1: really what you want
0: to (laughs) see. No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, they certainly those first four are just like by far and away so much better than the last two. Yeah. And not just better, but also seem like more unique, like more like more like they individually have something that they're saying in each one. I would like kind of discount Ellen Chanted from that a little bit, but that the other three like that we that we agree on of being really good or like each seems so specific and like no one else could have written them. I think Ella Enchanted has that a little bit. I think the message of like
1: not listening to what men and other people tell you to do when you're a little girl is pretty instructive. Yeah, I don't know. Also, I think in a lot of them, there's like weird structure. Like a lot of these movies have the thing where like it's all over the map and then the plot kind of happens in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Even the good ones. Yeah. Like Legally Blonde is like that
0: absolutely the whole thing the whole thing with the murder and with the creepy professor is all in the last 20
1: but i don't know how do you see their progression across these six
0: i would like to be yeah. able to blame it on commodification do you know mm-hmm. that like that's the reason why it falls off so much is because they like try to go bigger they like try to be more appealing to a wider studio I mean, like, there is nothing associated with the Riot Girl movement about the last two movies. You know, <laughs> that something right. that we talked about extensively for, for uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like there's any connection to that, hardly at all. Is that like a, is that like a, a societal thing where in the '90s, like, it was fun to like have a like a punk attitude towards the establishment and that meant and then by twenty twenty ten 2010 ish we're all conformists and like i don't i don't know it's <laughs> it's a depressing progression it's not good it it makes me feel like and i mean like i do feel like this that movies homogenized over the course mm. of t- 2000 to 2010 Things got blander for a long time. They got worse. And as our country kind of like tried to kid itself that it was past a lot of the problems that we were dealing with in the 90s. And we were like, yes, we talked about that in the 90s. So obviously we have solved those problems. And there was this brief period between like 2008 and 2016 where white America was allowed to fool itself into believing that it was past a lot of those problems. Mm. And now it's, it's kind of like all of that rings hollow. I don't know. It feels like it feels like there's a cultural emptiness at the heart of those last two movies that Mm -hmm. I think is real. I mean, I think that is a real thing. And I think we've talked about other movies from that time period too. And they're all kind of like that. They all seem to be reflecting that. This last movie, I mean, I'm not joking when I say this last. Mm. The 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 ugly truth really did like. There were other things going on, certainly, but it sent me into a tailspin, and Mm. I was like, maybe we're not worth it. Oh God! (laughs) Like maybe. Yeah, like maybe people aren't worth it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if this is the kind of movie that can make that much money. Maybe people aren't worth like trying to make good art for. I mean, it's, it's really that bad. It is
1: really bad. I don't know, but it is Christmas Eve. So people are worth making good art for, I will say, but no, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Something that made me think about is that I think a lot of these movies are kind of just looking at different types of women who are often made fun of and saying, like, they are valuable and they can be loved. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, I would say, a very simplistic message, but I think that's what a lot of them are doing. Like, uh, like punk hardcore girls can mm-hmm. be loved. Girly girls are valuable. Uh, tomboys, girls who say yes to everything. Girls who are very sexy and wear revealing clothing and are naked and playboy girls who are control freaks and bossy and in positions of power. It's kind of looking at six archetypes, all of which I feel like American society is not kind to. Mm, Sure. And saying like, Hey, these can be good people. You should give them a chance and you should love them. Because I think almost all of these movies have some element of a character changing themselves in order to be loved and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And then kind of reverting back to themselves in order to like actually get that at the end Mm. that doesn't really happen in legally blonde and in house bunny it's emma stone's character who does that rather than anna
0: faris well they both do it because anna faris has that scene where she pretends to like yeah
1: yeah to like save the whales or whatever
0: yeah that idea of like appearance versus Like who you are immediately like what category you're immediately placed into versus like being a full human being with like Hmm. all of the good and all of the bad that comes with that is a really interesting thing that I think they're doing across all of them. I wish that the last two movies did that better because I like I agree that the last two movies are kind of spiritually similar in that way to the other ones, but dissimilar in almost every other way that they're handled yeah i don't know what to make of it
1: well let me ask you this in terms of like the success of each of these Mm -hmm. because most of them are adaptations Mm -hmm. so do you think that adapting something like gives you more room to play as a writer
0: well i think you know i think inherently that structure and boundaries gives you more room to play as an artist regardless of your field like the tighter you make your limitations the more creative you have to be within those limitations so i think that like the challenge of adapting something for a modern audience is really exciting their two most successful as writers are probably uh 10 things i hate about you and she's the man Legally blonde, I just I think is like a fun move, like a fun overall movie to watch. But I think probably as writers, the best writing is in those two. Reese's performance is such a big part of it. Exactly. Ex- exactly. And so like that, her and um oh Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is so good. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the part that makes that that makes that movie stand out for me, is all her all of her stuff, which is so incidental to the plot, but just so wonderful. But what I would say is like the challenge of adapting, especially something as old as a Shakespeare play and something as like you've seen so many adaptations of it already or so many versions of it already. There's such an imperative to make it yours that I think is less true of Ella Enchanted and Legally Blonde because you are adapting something that has Ella Enchanted is a book that isn't an adaptation of Cinderella, but really they're adapting the book, not the Cinderella yeah. story yeah, yeah. itself, right? So they're adapting something that has only really been done once before with that. And so the limitations are less, if that makes sense, in some way. The way that like 10 Things I Hate About You is, is in conversation with every production ever of Taming of the Shrew. Right. In some, in some way, you know? Yeah. And, and same with She's the Man.
1: I think, yeah, I mean, I just agree with you. I think that one, when you have those boundaries, it becomes almost more about what are you bringing to the table mm-hmm. than like, what is the story of this? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it isn't like, what's the story of Taming of the Shrew? It's what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as a writer, that helps you also like focus in on what your strengths are and what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely get that. Let me ask you, Amit, mm-hmm. If it was you mm-hmm. in the writing directing seat rather than McCullen Smith, what, what uh, Shakespeare play would you make a modern language adaptation set in a set in a high school?
0: <laughs> I've thought extensively about this. <laughs> My actual idea mm-hmm. uh, is that I would set I would like do a TV series set in a high school that incorporated all of the plays, like incorporated characters from all of the plays. All of the plots would kind of be intertwining and running at cross purposes with each other. You think of like the Kings and the older generations as being the teachers. You think of the younger people as being the students and like, there'd be all sorts of stuff going on. I think it would be like at least a two season arc of like, of resolving uh, at least like the big 12 or whatever, mm-hmm. the big ones that people think about and do often. But if I was going to do it, I think, I think measure for measure. I really think that it's, there's something about that play. You know, it's about workplace sexual harassment in some ways, mm-hmm. and it is about an unfair justice system that's obsessed with incarceration, obsessed with the death penalty. It's about a conservative religious figure rising to power and trying to punish yeah. women and uh, like the sexually deviant. I, there's like a lot there that I am really interested in, I think resonates and I think could work really well in a high school setting. Yeah, I think that would be it. It's a play I've been obsessed with since 2016. So hmm. how about
1: you? What? Well, in thinking about this, I realized that I did already do it with Hamlet. Uh-huh, yeah. With my play Hamlet at home, uh, uh-huh. but that's at a college. So for a high school film, I think it would be really fun to be Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Although I worry that it would just be Heather's, but like, <laughs> high schoolers killing each other and like having to keep killing more and more of their friends Uh in order to like cover up the lie, I think would be interesting. Yeah. I also like much ado a lot, which I know has kind of been done on screen more than any of the other comedies. But I think that would fit in most with like the 10 things I hate about you style. Yeah. And it's fun. Just like this concept of like, Uh, we are the only love gods like a bunch of high schoolers playing matchmakers and trying to hook each other up and you've got that main confrontational relationship still with like
0: the two people who hate Mm -hmm. each other but have banter and you've also got a really interesting thing about being like i mean like a lot of what that play hinges on is basically slut shaming Mm-hmm. So, like, that being an aspect and, like, having a sex-positive take on that play could yeah. be really nice, too.
1: Yeah, you'd have to clean it up. Like, they clean up Taming of the Shrew.
0: But <laughs> yeah. you
1: could do it. Yeah. Okay, let me ask This is my last question about Nicole and Smith. Mm-hmm. And listen to our, our Ugly Truth episode for more about what they've been doing and what we want to see from them. Mm-hmm. But let me ask, we talked a lot about, like, how they – really brought a lot out of their leading ladies mm-hmm. and like writing roles that people would not expect from them. And that the actress has really shined in. Is there an actor today who you think you would like to see get a McCullen Smith script?
0: Hmm. It's Zendaya. Should oh, that's a good get call. an actual movie. <laughs> that is a good call. <laughs> you know, she had, she had euphoria. So that's great. But I think there could be some other stuff there.
1: And also, Euphoria
0: sucks. <laughs> you know that I I love old Saoirse Ronan, but I feel like she has been used well mm-hmm. and fully. I, I mean, obviously, like Florence Pugh, that's one. But again, I think she's doing stuff that like expresses her full range. I don't think being in five minutes of Dune expresses all of what today could, could bring yeah, to us.
1: So she's really good as MJ in the Spider-Man movies. But that is also like oh. 20 minutes of screen time yeah. per movie, basically. I think in terms of a kid, I've recently seen Sadie Sink pop up in a lot of stuff from Stranger Things.
0: Is that the red haired girl from Stranger Things? was uh-huh. in the Taylor Swift video?
1: Yeah, and she was in Fear Street, and she was good in both of those, but in both of them it was weird because, like, two years ago we saw her play a 12-year-old, and now she's playing, like, a 19-year-old and things. Yeah. But I feel like she has a very unique attitude. in older actress, and by older I mean 30s, but I feel like Elizabeth Olsen is hmm. someone who is not exactly getting The stuff, because I feel like she is really good in all of the MCU movies, which is, Uh like, not to be discarded because she's in, like, ten of them or something. Right. Including WandaVision. And I think you can totally see that she has, like, a lot of strengths that aren't always being fully utilized. I'd like to see someone come around and give her, like, an actual meaty leading role.
0: Hmm. Any final thought about McCullen Smith? I really just, I just hope that uh, soon we get a redemption arc from them. Mm -hmm. They're good writers. We're in an era again where good writers can have control, especially Mm -hmm. if they were doing something that wasn't straight up, just like studio raunch comedy. They could do something that was like legit good.
1: A lot of times I feel like we tend to think of directors as the first creative input on a movie Mm -hmm. or the primary rather creative input on a movie and the writer as like second. But I think in all of these movies, like they are the voice. Yeah. These are McCullough and Smith movies. And I think it's not for nothing that like most of them are with first time directors or TV directors who didn't really do much else. Yeah. But like their writing is what came to the forefront
0: for sure. Maybe they should direct one.
1: Carson just show ran a TV show for two seasons. So yeah, they know how to do
0: it. Yeah. I feel like get these dumb guys out of the way and let them run the show. I'd like to see it. Well, cool. Do you want to announce what we're doing next before Taika? Next week on Tuesday
1: is our holiday special. Now this year we are actually doing two holiday specials. So the first one, our last episode of 2021, my favorite episode of the year, our favorite movies of 2021. Then the week after, our first episode of 2022, which feels hard hard to believe, is going to be a holiday special focused on the movies we watched in 2021 that did not come out that year. The older movies we caught in 2021, primarily focusing on some horror movies. Emmett, you want to talk about that?
0: Because I have been part of this podcast, (laughs) I have become sick. And the way that I watch films now is by binging all of them, whether or not I'm watching them for this podcast. So right as we were watching the Scream movies, I got interested in the older slasher films that kind of inspired and that Scream was like in reference to and also making fun of. So I watched the original Halloween and then I got on a Nightmare on Elm Street kick which then led me to a Friday the 13th kick because, of course, as the diligent listener will know, they come together as one meta-universe in the film Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, um, so I'm genuinely excited. I have
1: sure, certainly noticed throughout the Macaulay and smith movies <laughs> as you've gone. Um, Ella Enchanted really reminded me of The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 16, The Dream Succubus. <laughs> every episode so i'm excited (laughs) to hear what it's all about
0: yeah uh basically it's too many movies for us to have covered on this podcast so Mm. we're just going to cover all of them in one mega episode
1: (laughs) so that's the next two weeks last week of the year first week of the new year two holiday specials and then you already know what series is next because you picked it we didn't pick it. Picked by our listeners. The winner of Bumtober, starting Tuesday, January eleventh, one one one. We're talking Taika.
0: Woo hoo!
1: Very exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm just I'm excited about all of it. I like the Taika movies that I've seen. I think they're funny. I think they're fun. Yeah, just really excited to be moving into year two of this. Everything. Yeah, yeah everything to come. So. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. You know, it obviously, I know it often sounds like we do this just for our own gratification, but we really do do it for you, um, the listener. So thank you. Without you, it, it wouldn't be happening or it would be happening, but it just, it would just be happening in the void. So thank you. And Merry Christmas. May the Krampus not get you this night. Uh, May the Grinch return all your presents. (laughs) May Scrooge have his redemption arc Mm. and bless you and your syphilitic children. And truly on this frostiest of nights, stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.